Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please be advised that Little Miss Recap contains adult language. If you guys loved Seeking Sister Wife like I did, you will love my next guests. Sidian Morningstar Jones and his lovely wife Tasha sat down with me a few weeks ago to talk about Sidian's book that he's working on, the books that he has written. We talk about our favorite colors. We talk about him playing guitar. It's a very fun interview and I hope you really enjoy it. Now, Seeking Sister Wife is coming back for season five. We will be covering it right here on Little Miss Recap. That is a guarantee. Unfortunately, Sidney and Natasha are taking a break from the series, so they won't be on this next season. So let's riot in the streets and let's get those letters sent in to whoever makes that show. Is it TLC? Is it Matt Sharp? I don't know. In the meantime, Sidian has been focused on, on this book, like I said, and some personal mythos work, which is a really cool concept that he sat down and with the help of Tasha, they explained it all to me and I hope that you enjoy it. And please listen to the end if you'd like to pre-order Sidian's book and you can also find all of the links to follow him and Tasha in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Enjoy the interview. Hey guys, welcome to Little Miss Recap. Today we have an awesome special guest for you, guests. And that is Sidian and Tasha Jones from Seeking Sister Wife. Hey Amy, how's it going? Hi, Hi. I'm so excited to talk to both of you. As many of my fans know, longtime listeners know, you guys are my people. If I was ever going to do a Seeking Sister Wife situation, you two would be it. I'd be stalking you, knocking on your door, trying to get in there. So let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, I've, I've heard that you're a huge fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. Um, and then I learned your son is named Tyrion, correct? Tyrion, yeah. Tyrion. Now, is he yeah. named after Game of Thrones? Um, that It's partial. There, that's there's, why I love you even more. There's multiple kind of mythologies out there that have that name. So, And I okay. thought it just had a really neat ring to it. I wanted something a little bit like princely. I had a little mm-hmm. austerity to it or something. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And can I ask you, do you play guitar? Who plays guitar? I see it behind you. Yeah, I, pl- I play a little guitar, but mostly I'm a singer. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I can play a little guitar, but no one wants to hear me sing at all, yeah. ever. <laughs> I'm the cheerleader at karaoke. Like, good for you. I'm not <laughs> participating vocally. <laughs> Amy, Amy, I would argue that more people want to hear your voice than mine by far. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> Because they're actually subscribing to hear your voice, not not mine. <laughs> These specific 12 people, yes, want to hear my voice. However, the general public Fair does enough. not. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the show, obviously. We'll get to that. But what's more interesting to me is what you guys are up to in your personal lives. And that is this project of Sidians that, Tasha, I'm sure, you know, I'm a writer and my husband is not, and he is my number one cheerleader. And we all know when there's a writer in the house working on a project, everyone gets sucked in, right? And everyone, it's a it's a family venture, if you will. So I'm sure you're very involved as well. Um, oh, exactly, Cydia, why, yeah. don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about where the idea for this particular book came from? Yeah, sure. Um, I could probably hit that from multiple angles, but I'll just say that, uh, I mean, how far back do you want me to start? (laughs) (laughs) Um, what year were you born? No. (laughs) 83. So, um, you're you're millennial. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of, I, I think I'm on the cusp millennial, like, if it was a few years earlier, I would have been Gen X, I guess, or something. But yeah, yeah. I was born in '77. I'm that they call us like Xennials. You have uh, yeah. traits of yeah, both. I, yeah, I probably fit in there. Well, mm-hmm. um, you know, so from from for some reason, when I turned 18, I realized that I wanted to like I I had this obsession with the idea of like I wanted to change the world, and it would have something to do with beliefs, but mm. I didn't know in what exact context that would come at the time i was just really interested in music um so anyhow that has really influenced me and uh i ended up meeting a family friend named stanley krippner and stan is um he's amazing he's i always say he's he's like a saint he's just he's a hub of of connections for people all over the world when he has a birthday multiple Mm -hmm. countries celebrate that birthday like i not even an exaggeration there's people there's groups in china brazil and germany and <laughs> brazil my mom who had known him from like way back back when they were hanging out with like the grateful dead and um doing all the uh, psychedelic things that come along with that kind of an adventure mm-hmm. uh they were hanging out with stan as well and so then all these years later you know i'm i'm growing up i'm becoming like uh, about in my early twenties at the time. And my mom had been bugging Stanley to come visit her. And finally he did that. And that's when I met him and I started talking to him and we started talking about like psychology and quantum physics and spirituality and all these things. And he was like, Oh, you're so educated in these things. And I don't know how you learned all these things. I'm like, well, there's, there's books and the internet and stuff. (laughs) See these things. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, you should come uh, to California and meet my colleagues and other people in these fields. So that was the beginning of my journey into uh, meeting people who were serious about these subjects 
and um, I was just passionate about them at the time. Um, so then Stan, he is the one who really made personal mythology um, like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go back a little bit, there's Joseph Campbell before him and then Carl Jung before him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Plato with his forms and whatnot. But uh, it all kind of progressed through each of those people up to Stanley to where Stan was the one who came out and said, personal mythology is its own distinct kind of art field. Yeah. Well, I call it an art mm-hmm. and, uh, and branch of psychology and formed it into a kind of like something that you can practice a lifestyle, that sort of thing. Um, and he wrote the book, which um, you can, well, the audience can't see it, but up here behind me, Personal mm-hmm. Mythology by Stanley Krippner and David Feinstein. Fantastic book. It changed my life. Um, you can find it on Amazon. And that brings us to where my book starts to come in, right? So yeah. Stan's book had its heyday in the 80s. And uh, people... But, but his college course, so he taught at Seabrook University, yeah. Personal Mythology was one of the most popular courses they had right so oh, i 100 like- would have taken that class i would have taken oh, yeah. it 100 so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, yeah really fantastic stuff basically well I'll, I'll get into a little bit of that later but um so stan did a, a fantastic job of of making it popular at the time um but the thing is times change we have much shorter attention spans these days people want more colorful things um and stan's book is is pretty heavy there's a lot of text a lot to absorb but it's amazing information right and so i thought what if i could put all of that in the context of something that was as fun and exciting and colorful as it could possibly be uh and that brought me to the idea of making a company called my mythos and uh eventually culminated in the idea for the first book being mythic color you know to be the most colorful mm-hmm. and to make subsequent books that were like mythic animal mythic elements that sort of thing to help people start with kind of the juiciest parts of personal mythology and then lead them down the path into the more heady uh deeper material but it's also like the foundation of personal mythology. If you think about one of the first things you identify with as a kid, it's color. Yeah. What's your favorite color? Yeah. I like this color. I don't like that color. What do we ask yeah. each other? What's your favorite color? That's yeah. the, one of the most common questions. Yeah. But why, right? Why do we ask that? It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what I thought cool. was so, that's what I thought was so interesting is like, I grew up in a family of artists. Like my dad is a painter and my sister's a photographer and I'm a writer. So like I kind of grew up around artsy people. And I can remember from a young age, I was very obsessed with the idea of looking at memories and stories that shape our lives, but from different perspectives. And my sister did this great photography project when she was doing her um, bachelor's degree in Syracuse where she took like family photographs from you know, when the first five to six years of our lives and she would show them to different people and then record all of their reactions of what was going on around. And when I think of personal mythology, this is, I'm just going to give my understanding of it. And then I want the correction. Sure. Um, I think 
you know, I, I really, when I was reading and listening to you talk about it, it struck me as I wrote a memoir about, you know, getting divorced and finding myself and finding love again and all of that. And the, the, the kind of lore that we tell ourselves, right? There are heroes and there are villains and there are certain events that shape our lives that become part of that mythology. Would you say that I'm on the right track there? Oh yeah. That's absolutely right. And um, to further that a little bit, not correct (laughs) to to further um, those, those heroes and villains, like those archetypes, we, we put people and things and events into those slots and the thing is that we tend to, we do that subconsciously most of the time. And we just mm-hmm. say, you know, this, this is how my life has gone, as opposed to this is the story that I've been writing, that I've been narrating, right? And yeah. so personal mythology is going to put you in the driver's seat of that uh, so that you realize, first of all, you're the author. And granted, mm-hmm. you know, things happen to us that we don't want to happen. And therefore, you know, we're going to categorize those as bad things and stuff. But when you start to realize these sort of pigeonholes and stuff that we put people in, like uh, an easy one to look at is when you, uh, you consider somebody a villain in your life, right? When we box them into that, uh, we, we start doing things like we lose empathy and understanding. Right. And so um, we, we become unable to, step into their shoes and realize why they do and did the things that they've done. Um, And that makes it impossible to forgive, to move on uh, and to, to better ourselves and make ourselves a bigger, better, more evolved person over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. I, uh, another example I think that comes to mind is, um, you know, when we idolize our parents and, and I, I've had quite a few, oh moments in therapy when you realize like oh my parent is not this omniscient awesome being they're fallible Mm -hmm. they're human and you know you can relate to them more when you take them out of that mythology that you've created of them as this hero figure whatever um how can you use it to to kind of create change in your life like if you can kind of give me a way that somebody might put it into practice to either shift a narrative or examine a mythology yeah. more closely. Can I? You can. Go awesome. for it. Yeah. Oh, so I think it comes, yeah, it comes back to that uh, personal mythology is all about your story. And sometimes you need to go back and make edits to it because it's not a productive story. Or um, so reflecting on things like even traumas or simple things that are just kind of holding you back and realizing that you have the power to change that story, whether looking at other people's perspectives and their story can kind of help remove some of that kind of trauma and be like, Oh, okay. They were acting in that way because, you know, their own story brought them to that point, not because they wanted to be a bad person or hurt me or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. It's they were coming from a place or you can look at it from kind of a removed perspective where you know, you've grown a little more or changed a little bit throughout the year, whatever it may be, and reflecting on it, you can be there for yourself and be like, oh, what I actually needed in that moment was comfort or empathy or whatever it may have been. And you can give that to yourself um, from this kind of third party perspective, realize that's what you needed in the moment and find a place of healing and kind of change those beliefs, change those narratives. Yeah. Um, 
I'll follow that up too. Uh, I, this is why I often refer to personal mythology as an art is because there's so many ways to come at it. And, uh, in, in contrast to something like, let's take like maybe CBT uh, therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, CBT tends to have um, kind of a rigid structure, which by the way, works fantastic for, for many, many people yeah. uh, or, or REBT. They, uh, it often has sort of a formulaic, like go through these steps mm-hmm. and, um, you know, attempt to come to these outcomes kind of thing. And that's great. And uh, with personal mythology, it's a little bit more, I'd say, like a a humanistic psychology where it's kind of like, how do you want to approach it and what goals are you trying to to get to? Um, I'll give you a really cool example that I often tell people. Um, There was a woman whose husband had died and um, she could not get over this. Uh, It was, I, I think it was like, It was over a year or two of just kind of still sitting with this suffering, right? Right. And she had come to somebody who was really good at um, putting together rituals for people. And this person said, uh, you're going to wear all black for two weeks. And then after that, you're going to wear all gray for two weeks. And then after that, you're going to wear all white for two weeks. Hmm. And she did that, and that's what broke the spell for her, right? So this was a way to tap into her and, and, and our own cultural mythology about colors to literally change this woman's life, help her get over an immense trauma. Pull her out um, of the darkness. To mm-hmm. pull her out of the darkness, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so you can really see from a personal mythology perspective how you know, you look at the colors like black to gray to white, and you, if you think about them for, for a moment, you can see like why the deeper meanings of those colors would have that kind of effect on a person and be able to lead them to the other side like that. As an English major, I fully embrace the symbolism of color. So thank you for that great analogy. I loved it. Um, so can we talk about my favorite color for one second? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So my favorite color is blue. So how does that manifest in my life or what does that mean about me? Yeah. So um, with any of these colors. I have a specific reason it's blue as well. So you go ahead and then I'll I'll tell you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, The first thing I tell people regarding this sort of thing, and and it's the same advice I give uh, regarding dream interpretation. It's that, first of all, what's going to matter most is your personal experiences with that color. Um, There's going to be some of that is going to be nature in terms of Mm -hmm. just what you um, what you. Well, okay, so nurture would be your experiences with it. And then nature would be, I guess, more like cultural sort of things that impose on your experiences. Mm-hmm. But that aside, uh, a lot of the times you are able to make some sort of general, I, I want to say assumptions isn't the best word, but ideas about people and and their favorite color. So for instance, if somebody's favorite color was green, you might be able to guess that they're of a more ecological 
mind, right? They might be right. uh, more in tune with, with nature, with nature, keeping the earth clean. They mm -hmm. might recycle um, and be conscious of those kind of things. With blue, mm -hmm. um, I would say that that oftentimes is somebody who is connected with ideas of um, some serenity. Intellect. That, yeah, definitely. intellect, logic, um, mostly mostly around those kind of ideas. And, and that also that they have maybe a deep, uh, an emotional um, um, bent towards like deep understandings of things. Like the the on the surface, there's there can be a lot of serenity and stuff, but they're very interested in like a much deeper, perhaps subconscious side of things. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's pretty dead on, except for the logic part. <laughs> I yeah. don't. I always think from here, not so much from here. But We're still um, working on it. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my my main things is I love the sea, but I love the tranquility of the sea, and that's why blue is my favorite color. I'm yeah. obsessed with the ocean. Um, definitely into yeah. like calmness, serenity. Absolutely. A hundred percent. My Enneagram is the peacemaker. Definitely into that. So that's really cool. I love that. It's pretty. Yeah. Neat. And it's, you know, it's something that like, like we said earlier, when we're kids, we tend to ask everybody like, what's your favorite color? And yeah. we don't realize the, the meanings behind that, but, and then we stop asking that question, right? As we're adults, it, we don't do that so often, yeah. but I think if we, if we take a moment to to realize how much meaning there really is behind it, you might come back to that and, and realize that, that there's really interesting things to learn about people there. Yeah, it's really, when you think about it, it is a very personal choice. And it does, you know, everybody has a favorite color for a very specific reason. There's a reason. So it is, it is pretty interesting, yeah. Hey everyone, stay tuned. Little Miss Recap will be right back after these words. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Sidian, this is not the first book that you wrote, right? You wrote a book about your grandfather, I believe. Can Two, you talk just yes. a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wrote The Voice uh, of Rolling Thunder along with Stanley because Stanley knew my grandfather. And uh, Rolling Thunder was a kind of semi-famous shaman uh, around the like um, 70s and 80s was mostly when he was most known. He ended up doing a uh, an opening ceremony for the Grateful Dead, <laughs> and um, actually, uh, you can't see it on on video here, but I've got behind me um, is uh, what was the 
Mickey Hart was the drummer for the mm. Grateful Dead. Yeah. And he, he absolutely loved Rolling Thunder. He ended up naming one of his albums Rolling Thunder. And then, okay, so this is this has been a controversy for many years that, <laughs> that finally got cleared up. In a I, Netflix documentary. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell this story. Um, so uh, uh, what's his name? Bob Dylan did a tour called the Rolling Thunder Review way back in the mm. day. Okay. okay. So for for like decades since then, people argued whether or not it was named after my grandfather. Mm. And the prevailing argument was the, that the answer was no. And, and uh, on Wikipedia, even to this day, like they, they won't mention that in terms of mm. uh, Bob Dylan's um, tour. I, I tried to go and correct it. And I, I tried to have other people correct it. And uh, those corrections were shot down. They said that that was not proven or anything. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll just have to come back later when I have more proof. Then Martin uh, Scorsese goes and puts out um, a documentary about, I think, the the Grateful Dead or, or Bob Dylan. And um, in that documentary, this just happened a couple of years ago, Bob Dylan specifically says, I named that tour after the shaman rolling thunder oh my god that's so, so cool yeah that was really cool and so i got the screenshot yeah, and everything pauses it screenshots it. <laughs> I, I posted online everywhere i'm like look look and then so i go back to wikipedia and i'm like look guys like there's the proof what what more do you need do i have they to have bob dylan it. himself call you like bob dylan himself <laughs> but guess what they won't take it they won't accept it. are you kidding me so so to this day as far as i know on wikipedia they they do not state that that, that that's a fact hmm. yeah and is rolling thunder on your mother's side or your father's side my mom's side okay so yeah. are are you indigenous on both sides of your family or only your mother's side just on mom's side okay that's really, yeah. really neat that you have such an interesting grandfather who knew these it's people and cool. these musicians. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it definitely has made a big impact, big influence on my life and my interests. Yeah, absolutely. I could see having a shaman as a grandfather as being something that would influence you yeah. 100%. <laughs> my grandmother was like sitting, she was a seamstress who read tarot cards and that influenced me. So yeah, yeah I get it. Absolutely. Um, so Tasha, how has how has it been going through this process with City and of writing this book? Like, have you been with him every step of the way, or do you kind of do you guys have a thing where you know when he needs a space, or what has that been like? Yeah, and you have your own story with personal mythology too. Oh, true. Yeah, so Ooh, it's tell. been um, tell the story or uh... <laughs> tell yeah. us everything, Tasha. Give us you everything. Don't, you, don't, you don't have to, but um, <laughs> no, I just figured no. I'd. So um, it's been interesting to see kind of City and go through the steps because personal mythology, my mythos has been a business we've worked on for years together and City and solo for a long time. But when he got this idea for the book, he was so enthusiastic. It was just like, I knew this was going to be his break for the business because just the enthusiasm he had for it was like unlike any other idea. And I think writing a book sounds really cool and like you have all this passion behind it, but after <laughs> so many months of the grind as an author, there comes a point where it's just, it's hard. So like watching all the emotions happen is kind of hard as a partner. Cause sometimes 
I don't have the time to help him write or brainstorm just because I'm also a mom. I have a job, but like Mm -hmm. it's life. Um, But the moments we actually get to work on it together where we get to brainstorm, kind of recalibrate, things like that, I I truly love, like I'm so excited for and it just really feels on point. And I'm so proud of kind of the year's worth of work, the successful Kickstarter, like everything I'm so proud of sitting in for. So, yeah, that was a great idea to do this via Kickstarter because as we all know, like traditional publishing is just a nightmare right now. Like it's you get nothing. Like I, I, you know, I told you I worked on that book with those school shooting survivors and we put two years in, into that. And like, you just, they don't help you promote anything in any way. They don't pay for anything anymore. It's like, just you're on your own. Yeah, you take the cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, so when does the book, uh, when does the book come out? When can my listeners go and order this? I wish we had a definitive answer. It's soonish, but there's uh we're waiting on the prints to come. Okay. So it's I think it's gonna be really soon though. Like I'm I'm looking at the next couple of months. But I would okay. say just follow City and social media, yeah. either my mythos or him directly. We're and I'll be posting a ton about it. So when we have it a definitive date, we'll we'll definitely put it out there a ton. Okay. Yeah, we're super excited. I'm super excited. Absolutely. Um, Sidian gave me a little sneak peek and I was able to look through it and I was like, this is really interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, so let's talk about the show for 10 minutes. Yeah. I know it's probably not something you guys want to talk about much, but <laughs> let's do oh, it. It's fun. fun. I like it. Okay. Okay. So, so as, like I said, as my listeners know, I fell in love with you two when you were on, I loved your season, not so much the other couples that you were on with, but you guys were awesome. Um, so, you know, so we saw your whole adventure we saw Sidian in season four go down to the philippines and am i pronouncing her name correctly was ariel ariel yeah like the little mermaid okay so where does that relationship stand today are you guys friendly are you you know what's happening there we're we're friendly um but we we did have to break things off yeah afterwards um it just kind of came down to the uh it's really hard because for one, I mean, the distance is an obvious issue and we felt uh, more towards the beginning and stuff that, that we could overcome that, but it started to play more and more of an issue as, as we got into things. Um, Also uh, in the Philippines, they are super conservative a lot of the time. And so her family is very conservative. Um, Her, I think maybe less so, but Mm-hmm. Um, as you may know about the Philippines, they're, they're extremely connected with family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, in the States, it's kind of, it can be on either side. People might be really connected with their family and kind of do everything that it, in line with family values, you know, of mm-hmm. their parents and things. But I think a lot of the time people don't. And the idea is just kind of do your own thing. So, um, for a lot of people in the States, I think it can be very different to see kind of a whole country that follows that kind of value system. Sacrifice yeah. some for family. And yeah. and for me, I, I appreciate either way. Like I either way, I, I understand. But um, sure. in this circumstance, you can see how that could, uh, that could be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I loved about, you know, because 
I mean, my podcast covers sister wives. We cover, you know, we're, we're, we like looking at unconventional marital structures and relationships, right? Um, One of the things I really appreciated about you was how involved you kept Tasha. I felt like you really kept her involved. Like even after you proposed, you're like, okay, let's go call Tasha. I was like, okay. So Tasha, did you appreciate that? Was like that, was that kind of something that you guys had talked about or is it just something that that's your relationship and you guys, you know, keep touching in with each other? That's actually just a Sidian thing that he does. And I appreciate it. Like, I obviously love it. I love being involved and being there. Because I was really sad that I couldn't go on that trip. It was just Mm -hmm. like, COVID made it hard. They could only get so many exceptional visas uh, with the government. And then I had surgery and the kids. And so it just, I couldn't be there. And so I was really sad to miss out on the proposal. And so it was really sweet of him to keep me in the loop. And he always is that way. Like, if he's ever on a date or whatever he'll shoot me a quick text of like gonna be a little longer or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. I don't know it's so reassuring to just know that you're in the communications you're not cut out in any way yeah I really I really appreciate it I'm like I know a feminist when I see one (laughs) (laughs) um so let me ask you are you guys still seeking is that something that you're still considering or you're kind of paused while you're doing this project like what's going on Uh, I think right now we're honestly just focused on like the book takes up so much time and space with us. And uh, we've just kind of been focusing down stuff for me and Tosh. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the future's kind of open in terms of what we've talked about. So, you know, we're not sure what, what lies there, but yeah, right now we're just focusing on us. We never fully closed the door, but right now it's just kind of cracked. <laughs> like yeah. It's not wide yeah. open. No. I was really disappointed to see that you guys aren't on the upcoming season. I'm not going to lie, but. Yeah, I, I did want to be on the season. But... I think we. Yeah, that would have been great. I remember the producer telling us, like, if we didn't kind of choose to, like, date multiple people or choose kind of this more dramatic pathway that. We sure, not sure. Their season. And I think at that time I was really like staunch in my beliefs of like, well, it's kind of messed up to to somebody yeah. recording and potentially looking at marriage with. So um, if I had just accepted it as TV being TV and it was fun and I had changed that narrative, maybe, but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I was kind of a, a they, turd about it. <laughs> they pretty I much appreciate that. I do the that. same kind of stuff. Go ahead. They Sydney, pretty I'm much sorry, told what? us at one point um, that we didn't have enough kind of drama, drama? going yeah. on. <laughs> That's how my mom ended up on the show. She's the drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how was your experience with filming? Was it a good experience or was it like not so great? I think it was great. So the weird, Sidian and I were just so comfortable with drawing the line of they would ask us questions and... I remember one time I was like driving to my mom's house and they had asked a question of something and I was like, no, I'm not going to answer that. And they're like, well, what if you said this? And I was like, no, I'm not going to say that. And the producer was like, but it would be good for TV. And I was like, okay. They would always ask driving. (laughs) They would always ask Tasha if she was jealous one way or another and like find different angles to ask that same question. And Tasha's like, yeah not really (laughs) i'm I'm jealous if you guys eat cake and don't bring me home like a slice Mm -hmm. of dessert or whatever it is but i'm not jealous of 
anything. Maybe jealous yeah. that you guys get to go to the beach, but the beach was kind of rocky. Home was nice and comfy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was COVID. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll see you guys again on our screens. Hopefully. Maybe after the book is published and everybody city and is a household name and everyone knows it. And then he'll come back on. You know, uh, one way or another, I feel like I'm going to end up back on TV. So whether it's seeking sister wife or something else, probably it's going to be something else. I keep poking Sidian to do like a YouTube podcast thing with me. Yeah. I think it would be so neat to talk about all things personal mythology, bring people on, talk about their life story. Because there's so many neat like life experiences. That would be great. That have like these nuggets of truth that you just emotionally connect with and you're like oh my gosh I never thought I would love the donkey yeah. until I hear this woman's story about a donkey and now you're like the donkey means so much more and it seems silly but it is so cool yeah. <laughs> that's an actual yeah, no story I that... taught um uh, oh, about a donkey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I taught um creative writing for many many years and I always say like the best stories are the ones that have just a sliver of universal truth to them. Just something oh, yeah. that, you know, we all have some emotions that we all tie into as a collective, like board style state. So yeah, absolutely. I think that that would be great city in and you can talk about their personal mythos. I think it would be really cool to do a podcast or a YouTube channel. Yeah. I think so too. Um, I still, I'm kind of funny. I still get kind of camera shy a little bit. Um, mostly it's the leading up to it. And then by the time I get on camera, I'm like, I love being on camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> so now I, I know that I do want to do some sort of video podcast type deal. So it, it's just a matter mm -hmm. of working up to it. I think I can con him into it. Yeah. We have really okay. fun banter together I'm, and I think it would be fun. <laughs> I need, I need encouragement. That's what it is. Me. I'll well, I, I'm going to tell all of my listeners to follow you on social media and to encourage this. We need the city yes, and please. Tasha podcast. I got to hear it from the audience. We got to hear it from the fans. City and um, Tasha, before we go, tell me, Tasha, does City and play you love songs on his guitar? And does it work for you? <laughs> yeah, sing me some songs. I before. sing for her. Yeah, and I adore it. And I remember one time he had wrote, it was like, Oh, it was a Valentine's Day. We normally don't celebrate Valentine's Day, but I was like in a special circumstance and I really had to like work and buckle down at the time. And he wrote me like this poem and all the other wives at, at work were like, let mm -hmm. us read the poem. And I was like, I want to read it first. <laughs> but they were just gushing over it. So it's really neat to have like an artistic partner who, who does those little things for you. Um, I want to do a lot more music yeah. in the future too. Yeah, that's awesome. City, and what's your favorite song to play on the guitar? Like, I always joke that when I learned how to play guitar, I taught myself, and I'm not yeah. very good. You learn yeah. the entire Tom Petty catalog. Like, that's the first step, right? Because he only oh, uses, yeah. like, two chords. But now that you can actually play, what is your, what's your favorite song to play? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not that great on guitar, but I, I really enjoy playing Cherry Waves by Deftones, like an acoustic mm. version. They're my they're mostly a the metal Deftones. band. What's that? Mm -hmm. My kids like love Deftones. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're yeah. amazing. They're my favorite mm -hmm. band. So, okay. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, hopefully we'll see you guys soon. 
Um, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm going to encourage everyone to follow you, City, and please tell us what is your Instagram handle, what is the website. Give us all that information. Yeah. So on pretty much every platform, you can find me at Sidian M S Jones. And uh, but I'd I'd really say go over to mymythos.org, m y m y t h o s dot org, and uh, you can grab your 16 free color pages that mm. they list. Uh, the meanings of the color, the traits people associate with them, what kind of beliefs you might have if this is your color. And so there's uh, 16 of those for free on the website. And that's where you can pre-order the book right now. I have okay. to say thank you to everyone who's pre-ordered. It's really been amazing to, I don't know, it makes you feel so good when you're working so hard on something and you're like, oh my gosh, we got another pre-order today. It yeah. makes me like, and it's so thankful. It it really surprised me. It picked up like crazy. So I yeah, I put the pre-order out there thinking like, well, you know, the, the real <laughs> the real orders will come in after it's published, but it's yeah. really picked up. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. And I, I know what that feeling's like and enjoy yeah. it and and just, <laughs> you know, enjoy those three months after you birth that baby and you're just like yeah. <laughs> Yes. Before everybody's yes. like, when is the next book coming? When is the next book coming? I'm like, no, I can't do this. Yeah. Before the, the, the work. <laughs> yes. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this interview. I had so much fun sitting down with Sidia and Tasha Jones of Seeking Sister Wife. If you want to support Sidian's work, and I strongly encourage you to support independent authors and artists, please visit mymythos.org. The link is in the show notes and you can pre-order his book and support his art. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you soon. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.